This is the Balanced Artist Podcast, where we help the purpose-driven creator's journey suck a little less and thrive a little more. Hosted by award-winning musician, TEDx speaker, and comedian, Rory Gardner. Who? We chat with experts who help level up your creative career by reframing your lifestyle as a balanced artist. Hello and welcome back to the Balanced Artist Podcast. You're listening to the season two portion of this thing. Season one was all interview kind of stuff. Season two is more of my brain taking a dump into a microphone and uh, for all of you to hear, okay, just random subjects or topics that I'd, that I'd love to talk about and maybe get your opinion on. So listen to what I have to say and, you know, I'd love to hear what you think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? I was thinking recently about the lottery mentality versus action mentality when it comes to uh, your artistic career. Most people become rich because of the actions they take to build their wealth. And it's not necessarily from putting all their hope into a lottery ticket. And you can argue that it takes action to get to the store to buy a lotto ticket, but that's not, you know, (laughs) I don't consider that a hard day's work. All right, so a lot of us treat our artistic career the same way. Is it going through the motions, hoping that we get discovered by a record label, an agent, or management company, or whatever it is that you want to get discovered by? And you know they're going to introduce us to this fairy tale world where everything is just done for us, and we sip champagne with Leo on a yacht in Cabo. The truth is, like once you get signed, you, the work gets harder. And like you have representation now holding you accountable for your level of output and they're they're giving you structure and resources and help to execute these actions. But at the end of the day, like you're still the one doing the work, right? And I remember a time, a good friend of mine got signed to uh, one of the biggest labels in the country. It was a country music label. And uh, he got a lot of great opportunities because it was attached to a big organization that had a lot of relationships and budget and influence in the industry but i remember him complaining once that he felt like he didn't have a lot of creative control he had a song he wanted to release but the label said he, no <laughs> you know he just he couldn't play certain venues or sing certain songs because it was off brand and it was frustrating but i understand the label's point of view like you're trying to create a product and you're just making sure that you're represented in the best light for your specific audience right if you're party band and your songs are about drinking and good times and it's polarizing if you write something dark and depressing right no one wants to hear that from you if you're typically the person that makes them feel good he would have to write songs constantly just to get one past the gatekeepers and i think it's great it just forces him to step his game up and you know to write the best song possible and that's how hits are made i love that accountability i think that that can be you can take that same mentality in your own career if you're an independent artist or if you're if you're just doing it if you're the one person show like I just I think you should still hold yourself accountable to a higher level of standards so that you can really stand out in a crowded marketplace. So that's the business model of that particular label. Like on the other hand, I've got a different friend who actually runs his own independent label like specializing in jazz music and although jazz is beloved by like a diverse audience it doesn't necessarily it doesn't have the mass appeal that country music does they don't work on the same hit model right so the jazz music more like enjoyed 
passively. It's just not something you generally sing along to and blast in your stereo in your car. <laughs> I don't know. So he creates and composes great jazz songs and playlists for streaming platforms that consist of like, you know, could be just easy listening background piano music. He just make, he, and it makes a great living releasing a number of these on a consistent basis rather than attempting to release hit singles three or four times a year. And it reminds me like an investor, like slowly building his or her portfolio, creating passive compounding income over time. He's, he's, it's not like having that number one hit single, which is basically like winning the lottery. It's more like a slow and steady wins the race kind of attitude. All that to say, I think we could take the same approach today in our independent artist careers. I treat your art like a business, like a product. Your day job is, is your financial backer. You know, yeah, we don't have a, a record label financing our career but now you have your day job which is like sponsoring your creative career you know the rich say it takes money to make money so where can you invest money into your art to generate more streams of income you can probably take nuggets from each scenario like pretend you have an organization like a label holding you accountable to create only your best work and when it's created think about how it'll be perceived in the marketplace think about the consistency of your brand or target audience and like on one hand you have you can just build this portfolio of assets over time. Just because what you created doesn't hit doesn't mean it doesn't have value. Like the song doesn't necessarily need to be on heavy rotation at radio to still generate income. You know what I mean? It could be background music in big box stores. It could be played in elevators across the country. There's still a way to just squeeze out those last drops. You know, I used to, I used to have a sequence with my songs where it's like the, my first effort was to try to write that hit, how to release it, and if it didn't hit. You know, I would just use it as an album cut. But then I would take a version of that song without lyrics and I would try to pitch it to TV and commercials and movies as background music. And sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. But by the time I was done with that song, I had squeezed as much as I could out of it. And at the very least, I tried to recoup the expenses I incurred by recording it. We veered off a little bit in this in this <laughs> original conversation, but my point is you don't necessarily need to win the lottery to be successful. If you put all your efforts and, and hope into winning that lottery, then odds are you're just going to end up disappointed and consider yourself a failure. But if you embrace the process rather than outcome, the journey will be rewarding enough. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I would love to hear your opinion. So reach out, say hello, tag me on Instagram, DM me on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you can DM people these days, at Rory Gardner Music, at Balanced Artist. Either one works. I control both of them. If you found any value in this conversation and you think someone else could benefit, share it with them. I'd love to hear their opinion too. It's just about having a conversation. Now, we don't know what the right or wrong answers are. Like every situation is different, but you know, let's just get it out there. See how we can apply this to our own situations and circumstances. Until then, folks, we will see you next time. That's all we've got for this episode of the podcast. We have new shows every week, so remember to hit subscribe and share this episode with anyone you think could benefit from becoming a balanced artist.